Tom Brady is a huge jerk. And no, this is not just because he unretired and the NFL world thought to themselves, oh, thank goodness, he's gone. We can stop dealing with the guy who wins most of the time, which is all true. To be honest with you, my girlfriend is a massive, massive Indianapolis Colts fan, was so livid. Her day was ruined when she found out that Tom Brady was coming back. Ames with AJ at VFX. Hope you're having a good Tuesday morning. No, 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 no. Tom Brady's a huge jerk because since he retired, right, everything associated with him in his career goes up in value. So this year, obviously, he threw his last touchdown pass, which someone paid over half a million dollars for. The day before, he said, you know what? I can't do it. I've spent some time with my family. It's been about 40 days. I've been away. I can't do it anymore. I'm coming back. I'm bored already. I'm coming back. So someone bought his last touchdown ball thinking it was a last touchdown ball, paid over half a million dollars, and the literal next day, he came back and was like, well, about that, you're going to have to put what's almost Tom Brady's last touchdown ball, but it's not actually going to be. And I, I really think, I really think he ought to buy it back. He really ought to. Do you remember? Because there was a huge commotion when he threw the, I think it was a 600, right? And then the wide receiver, Mike Evans, threw it in the crowd. And he gave up, like, Bitcoin. And they gave him tickets and everything. And everybody was sort of fit because they were like, oh, the guy should have held out for, like, until the Bucks are like, well, you can own the team, which was never going to happen. But, like, everybody's freaking out. Tom Brady, like, someone is obviously a huge fan of him to pay half a million dollars for his probable lost touch, last touchdown pass. He spent half a million dollars. That person did. I'm assuming it was a guy. Spent half a million dollars, and then Tom Brady came back and was like, about that, sorry, sorry. Tom Brady ought to buy it back, but he is obviously a huge jerk. Clearly, as we could tell, this dude needs the attention on himself because he just couldn't stop interjecting stories about himself throughout the playoff run where he was eliminated. He was like, dude, we get it. You're, you're mad you didn't win, but you retired. Shut up. And then 40 days. 40 days. The MLB lockout. Major League Baseball's lockout lasted longer than Tom Brady was retired. It's not surprising. It's just annoying. (sighs) Okay. uh, Tom Brady is not going to spoil our mood all morning. Just right now. What is going to spoil our mood all morning is gas prices. And if this doesn't make me feel like my dad, I don't know that anything ever will. But if you considered doing a little bit of uh, car maneuvering, a little bit of car swapping to deal with it because I suggested it and it just didn't go well. And granted for my girlfriend, I get it because she has the nicer car, but it legitimately was a financial move. I know that gas prices are bad because I have eyes, obviously, but also my friends and I are talking about it. Normally, gas isn't a topic of discussion. And I'm not sure that would necessarily, that's a transition into like super adulthood. AMs with AJ on VFX. Because like my dad will occasionally be like, hey, what's the gas out there when it's was getting into the threes? But for my friends and I, it's not a topic of discussion. And I think we're still in that mindset, right, where gas is still freedom. And so you'll still you get a pretty wide ranging market of what you'll pay for it. Because that's still what it symbolizes for you. As a younger person, it's freedom. It fuels your car, which lets you get away and do the things you do. And I really only now have two times that I can remember talking about it just in general conversation with just about anybody. 
It's back in 2008 when it went above $4 in the state of Indiana. I was driving an SUV then. That's why it's ingrained in my brain because it sucked. And now, because obviously gas prices have gone berserk. And just last night, I was talking to a buddy, one who lives in Oregon, one who lives in Indiana, and I'm here in Utah. And we're like, hey, what's the gas price here? What, here it is. And that's how I know it's bad. Now, the question is, have you made any adjustments? Because I can seemingly joke, though, with the weather getting nicer, it's probably not a terrible idea to maybe walk to some places. But have you decided to adjust maybe the vehicle rotation? For instance, I drive a little Nissan car. Gets a little bit better gas mileage than my girlfriend Ashley's SUV. And the big thing is, is that she commutes further than I do. I've got a short commute to work, like five minutes. She's got to go to Smithfield and sometimes goes from Smithfield out to Wellsville. And so, you know, you're talking 10, 15 minutes up to Smithfield because we're in Logan. And, you know, what, 20, 25 minutes from Smithfield all the way down to Wellsville? That's a long daily commute. And I told her, I said, I think we should swap cars for a little bit. Especially with the gas prices like this, once the weather gets warm, because my car's a little old, doesn't get as warm as hers, to try and save some money. And she was not having it. And I, she has the nicer car. I swear to you, though, this is 100% not a ploy to ride in the nicer vehicle. This is 100% a ploy to save money, which is ultimately kind of feels like my dad at the end of the day anyway, because while... We don't have conversations, me and my friend group, about gas. If, say, it was, you know, it goes back to normal and it's like 280 something and it flips up to 315, it's just not going to be a topic of discussion. It's over four bucks and it is expensive. I know how much it is to fill up her car because I know how much it is to fill up my car all of a sudden. And I think we should swap. And she, I think, being younger than me, was like, no, 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 I don't think so. And this feels a little bit like the electric bill thing again. She has a bad habit of leaving specifically the bathroom light on more than anything. And I'm like, turn light. We don't live, we don't live in a place where electricity is free. Just yesterday we turned we made crock pot chili. I unplugged it because again, I was told that if you leave appliances and stuff plugged in, they do still take some of the current up and run some electricity. So I do feel like yet again, I'm transitioning just a little bit into my father. And it doesn't feel good ultimately. It doesn't. It's just more stress and more worry. So moms and dads everywhere, I get a little bit of it, and I'm sorry, especially because you got to deal with a very important question as well. My goddaughter let one of those uh, sentence enhancers, as SpongeBob called it once in a while, a time curse word out, and she did not get disciplined because it was hilarious, and her dad could not stop laughing. Question is, when does it stop? being hilarious and something you need to address and be maybe a little concerned about. Now, obviously, I can and choose often to use words that are classified as adult language. AMs with the HAs, the Goals Gym debated eight on VFX. But there was a time where I would be scolded as such, and I'm curious as to when that cutoff is because I spent a lot of time talking to one of my best friends back home who is the only one of our friend group who has kid. And my goddaughter... Turned five in January and accidentally let one of the explicits fly. To which, of course, she was told that was not something she should say, but she was told while her father laughed and laughed and laughed. She dropped a bag of gummy bears that spilled everywhere. And, well, I can't repeat the one that she said. She obviously heard it from somewhere. I don't think she magically concocted that one. And, We all laughed about it because it's adorable and not something to be said. 
But the question is, when is the time for the parent to step in? Because I honestly have no idea. All I remember is you go to middle school, you go to high school, right? You start to pick up that language because that's how your friends talk to each other. I think, look, I I won't say all, especially for dudes, though. Like 100% for dudes. But you can't say it at home. Problem is you start using it over and over and over and over and over again. You might let one slip or so, and then maybe or maybe, maybe or maybe not, you got to put a bar of soap in your mouth, which may or may not have happened to me. Kristen is on the line. Kristen, now, what, what do you think? The cutoff here for when the curse words are cute and the curse words now need to be scolded. Once they start using it, like when they stub their toe or hurt themselves, I think at that point they know what it means and it's too late um, and that they're like too old for it to be cute. When they don't know what they're saying and they're just repeating back mommy and daddy, then that's one thing. It's like, oh, that's sweet. But when they're actively like using it, like, oh, man, like my show's not on and then bleep or, oh, I stubbed my toe, bleep, something like that. When they start actually using it in a sentence, they know what it means and it's too late. (laughs) So that is logic, logical theory as far as could be concerned. Chris, I don't can't disagree with Kristen. The thing is, is that my, my goddaughter dropped stuff and then went, oh, no, bleep. To which case, it seems like she generally knows that that is an appropriate thing to do. So she should be in trouble, which is fair because it sounds like she contextually has a grasp on it. But the thing is, <laughs> how many of those videos have you seen where whole tiktok sound i think based on one word the kid seems to know what it means and like this is mm-hmm. and it's still adorable <sighs> i think the thing so she turned five she's a january kid right so she's not going to go to school until this upcoming year probably i take that back kristen might be right because you definitely don't want to be the parent that's the one that has to explain to the teacher why your kid's the one using all the naughty language i'm trying <laughs> like that that chris I, you know what kristen's actually right Let's say Chris and Chris, they contextually can use it. That means at any given time they could contextually use it when you're not around. And since now my goddaughter set to go to school this fall. Okay, time to step in. Make sure that that's not the case. Yeah, I was trying to think. So I got in trouble once for language at school, and it was actually a note that me and my friend wrote. And I, I, I kid you not, so we were writing, talking about a girl and complaining about a teacher, and language was not kind either way. And we got caught and we got sent to the principal. And it's the only time I got the threat of my permanent record. But the thing that was nuts is only one of us used a language. It was my friend. And so the next day we came back. We, of course, both got scolded. Then I asked him. I said, oh, you got grounded? He goes, no. And I said, how did you not get grounded? He goes, oh, I just said you wrote all the the bad words. And I went and looked. All the bad words were actually used by my friend because I was a pretty well-behaved kid in the school. And I went and told my parents, like, well, still, you should have been having this conversation. I was like, I didn't even use the bad word. Look at my handwriting. Total garbage. Total garbage. But, again, Kristen is right. Regardless of how adorable my goddaughter was, you don't want to have to be the one, especially in kindergarten, to have to explain to the teacher and possibly other parents why your kid is the one teaching everybody bad words. Yesterday during the after show, I talked about a sibling of mine as he transitions more and more into, I think, similar to my father when it comes to money. And the older and more I get, I see the same thing. Money becomes something, guard just a little bit more and more. And then we stumble into a Florida knot where people are doing anything to save a buck. And I think, oh, at least I'm not that bad. Florida knot AMs with AJ on VFX. Story number one. Thieves stole $5,000 worth of gas from under a gas station 
using a minivan with a trapdoor so they could siphon the gas. I am blown away. Totally get it. Not justifying it. Totally get it, though. Because, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, gas is a topic of conversation for everybody now because it's expensive. But, wow, wow. Kind of really, again, just more impressed than anything. But cheapskates not minting to be outdone. In story number two, a man who bought a private island was busted for stealing approximately $300 worth of household items from a local Kmart. Buys a multi-million dollar island. Not going to pay for light bulbs. Absolutely not. Refused to pay for a light bulb. Well, we found out how he built his fortune, right? So two cheapskates go head to head. Florida now kind of feels like step one, steal gas so we could save money, maybe sell up and mark up, get rich. Step two, buy an island. And then kind of along with that step two and a half, never pay for knickknacks again because we got to maintain our budget. It's what it feels like with story one and two. AMs with AJ on VFX. Now, the home of the original dumb criminal is Florida. That's why whenever you hear a dumb story, you got to ask yourself, is that from Florida or not? Story number one, thieves rolled up to a gas station in a minivan, and they siphoned the gas from the station. Now, originally, I was like, wow, what idiots that's going to get caught. And technically, they, they got caught on camera, but apparently they had a trap door in the minivan so they could get out and get underneath where the gas tanks are and stole $5,000 worth of gas, almost 1,000 gallons of diesel. That is insane. I am like just more impressed than anything that they pulled off this Ocean's Eleven style ice. And while I don't justify it with gas prices what they are, I get it. I get it. It's not okay, but I get it. So now that they've saved money on gas and possibly could sell it at their own little markup, maybe undersell the market a little bit, but pocket the cash, what do you do with that money? Well, we already talked about how it's everyone's fantasy or a lot of people's fantasy to have their own island. Well, story number two, one man who just recently came off purchase of a multi-million dollar private island then got busted for stealing nearly $300 of household goods from a local Kmart, including LED bulbs, a Keurig coffee machine, According to police, he placed cheaper items inside the boxes, such as basketball inside the cured box, then returned them for a refund. When asked about it, he said it had to do with a commercial dispute. So that sounds, <laughs> sounds like that episode of Seinfeld where George doesn't get his change, so he tries to steal the cold medicine to even it up, and then he gets busted for it. Sounds like the exact same thing. But how else are you going to maintain your wealth? You didn't save up to the point of being able to buy a multi-million dollar item without finding ways to save here or there. Stealing, though, is not saving. So the question is, which story's from Florida, which one's not? And when you're in that situation, you have to ask yourself, which one's not only ridiculous, but just kind of really stupid? And I do not justify stealing anything whatsoever, which happens in one and two, but I definitely don't justify stealing gas. I get it, but don't do it. However, in... Story number two, you buy a multi-million dollar island, unless you're a complete fraud, which maybe they are. I feel like you've got some funds there that you can buy your Keurig machine. You can buy light bulbs. You're going to be okay. I think things are going to be fine. If not, open up some Airbnbs. There's plenty of business opportunities. So the fact that someone bought an island and they got busted robbing a Kmart, to me, that is the really over-the-top stupid thing. And if you're thinking that, good news... Correct. Because the private island he bought was actually off of Key West in Florida. The thieves to the gas, that was in Texas. That 
Do not emulate. I get it. Swap the cars, walk, all other solutions before we start stealing gas. We ain't in apocalypse mode yet. Do not do that. Florida not on VFX. Now, maybe, just maybe, I can find some good luck for myself if I follow my family's superstition. My mom has a really weird one that she's imparted on all of us siblings. And I thought, no, 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 this is nuts. And then I asked Mima and producer Butters yesterday in the after show, and maybe I'm nuts. Anytime I get free money, I absolutely feel a little bit lucky. But does one specific bill carry any sort of luck with it whatsoever? AMs with AJ at VFX. So my mom has this superstition that I remember way back to the kid as a kid about $2 bills. And they're cool, right? They're unusual. You don't see them very often. So she decided that they're lucky. I have never heard anyone else say that. And so it's to the point that for a while, actually, she was sending Ashley and I $2 bills for every holiday, one each. And it got to the point where we had like $26 of $2 bills. And then finally we decided, like, well, what are we going to do with these? Are we really just going to let a pile of them sit here? And so we put them into our shared account that we have, and that was the end of it. Well, this week, St. Patrick's Day, and in honor of it, because my mom can, sends me cards every holiday, I got a, we each got $2 bill because it's an Irish holiday. There's a lot of luck imagery involved. So I thought, okay, okay, I'm going to ask because this feels nuts. I put it in my wallet with the intention fully of depositing it immediately. No plan of holding on to it whatsoever. So in the after yesterday, I asked producer Butters, me and I said, okay, my mom's nuts, right? No one else finds these lucky. Here's what they said. Well, I, I kind of <laughs> think myself that $2 bills are kind of lucky, but I don't, I don't necessarily, really? like, I don't know if. Pray tell. I don't know. They're rare, so. I've heard, yes, that the $2 bills are lucky, but every time I have one, a series of unfortunate events happen to me. So to me, it's unlucky. Okay, so now I'm trying $2 to. $2 bill hate you. They do. <laughs> So bad news for me, Ma, because apparently she heard they're lucky, but for some reason they have the opposite effect for her. And if you missed it, you could see it on our social media because the video is still there. Producer Butters actually said that he has one, he thinks, that's still up on his fridge that hasn't gone anywhere. So then I was like, okay, what, what happened to me when I had that collection of them? Do I feel like it was a lucky time period? I feel like it was an okay time period. Ironically enough, I don't know how much later it was that I deposited those that the pandemic happened, but it was definitely before covid and then COVID happened, and I seriously am thinking about maybe just maybe hanging on to the solo, I only got one, but the solo $2 bill from the standpoint of thinking back to that pile of cash, I think things were not bad, not bad. I don't know that I would have said I was lucky, but not bad, and, and maybe just maybe after a stretch of really not such good luck recently, maybe I would just leave that one in the wallet for a minute. My favorite part was producer Butters then saying, like, is it on the fridge? I'm not sure if it's on the fridge. It's somewhere. <laughs> Sounds lucky. But apparently $2 bills are lucky. Now, it's more fun to talk about this, you know, oh, two bucks, right? Mom's out $4. Woo, break the bank. You ever had discussions about wills, specifically with the siblings? Because I've seen specifically in my family, it can tear families apart. So is it better to just start calling dibs on stuff ahead of time to save the argument later? Legitimately happened between me, my brother, and my sisters. Who knows if I'm ever going to be able to actually afford a house in any of these markets. So the idea of potentially being handed down one, yeah, of course I would think about that. AMs with AJ on VFX. The weird thing is, so wills, I think, are still so closely tied to death. 
that it's still a little bit taboo to talk about, especially if you're like, yeah, I think about what I could potentially get in a, a hand-me-down situation, like a pass-down for my family, because that also sounds like I may potentially rubbing my hands together and be like, yes, who knows how soon it may come. But I've talked to, you know, I wouldn't say it's part of being an adult, but I've talked to people in the building who have wills that are my age. And that blew my mind because I was like, it's, why, it's a ways away. Do you know, though? Do you really know? And just the other day, I was joking with a friend talking about the stuff that we would hand down to each other. And I've thought about it before. And, you know, there's worldly possessions that I think Ashley would just value way more than anybody else. And then there's just basically assets to divvy up, which I think would go to my siblings. But it reminded me, once upon a time, I was spending time with all my siblings, my brother and my two sisters. And somehow we were just having a discussion about family and we got talking about potentially what we would want in an eventual will. And the funny thing is, in our fa- on our side of the family, on our mom's side of the family, we have also seen a uh, passing of a family member who had considerable things to pass down, destroy a family, ostracize certain members of the family because they just could not play nice about it. And as I've talked to people, you hear that, well, it's not publicized, obviously. It's more and more of an issue. So the question is, have you ever had a discussion with your siblings? And I'm not saying like a hard, like, okay, I'm taking this, you trade that, and like a contract negotiation. But me and my siblings have sat down and just talked about it before, like what we would do with potentially we all got handed parts of a house. Who wanted what? My sisters really want the jewelry. Unsurprisingly, my brother, like, absolutely pass. 100% do not want that. And it feels... A bit superfluous, like it feels ridiculous to do, but at the same time, it feels good to sort of get it out of the way because I feel like you take a little bit of the fear and power out of death when you acknowledge it's a possibility. No one's cheering for it whatsoever. No one's not going to be sad, but I feel like it's an adult reality. And for me and all my confusion and bluster about having no idea how it comes to getting a lawyer, felt like a good reminder as well that maybe, just maybe, ought to track one down, and more often than not, just kind of be prepared to put that down and just have it taken care of, right? Just just to be aware, because the last thing I want to do is work as hard as I have for what I have and then have it just disappear into legal binding that nobody can get a hold of because I didn't sign my name to a stupid piece of paper once upon a time. So, just in case you're all curious, my baby blanket is, in fact, going to Ashley, my most prized possession, so we're all clear. That one just would be the worst thing in the world, right? To find out you hand you went spent all the time to pass out certain prize possessions, and some people are like, "What? That's what I got in the trash?" Because you know that would happen. It would one hundred percent happen. There's they would just be like, "Oh, I thought I was getting some money out of this deal." No, what? He handed down a picture of the two of us and said he always thought we were great. whatever garbage. I didn't come here to to get a chore. <laughs> not not done talking about money because with a friend of mine visiting. Uh, he is, well, he's doing pretty well for himself. But the interesting thing is, is growing up, I wouldn't say he necessarily always flashed it, but he was always doing a little bit better than I think we all thought he was. When did you know that? When did you know that your friend was doing all right? But before we get there, I actually got an interesting message. Speaking of that friend, that's the one that the one's coming as a perpetually single one. If you had a friend that you knew, because you're in the know about their stories and you know, Maybe a little bit questionable to borderline not great as a significant other. Would you warn somebody else? Would you warn someone if you had a friend that was kind of a piece of trash? 
Ams with AJ on VFX Mesh. We got us. Okay, AJ. I have a friend that's not my inner circle, but still a friend. And when it comes to relationship, he's awful. Cheats on most of his girlfriends. Very selfish. Well, I found out recently went on two dates with my sister's friend. I want to talk to I wanted to talk to my good buddy about it. I told him I wanted to warn her. He said that I should stay out of it. So far I'm on the fence if I should warn her or not. What do you think? The answer is how much do you want to stay friends with them? Because if you want to stay friends with them, it's probably going to be tough to basically not frame that as you sabotaged them. Whether look, look, they clearly the record is out. Maybe you could just maybe not subtly hint and be like, look, just ask some of their other significant others. Though Within reason, I don't know that too many people's exes, especially if they're fresh ones, are going to say a lot of nice things about them. But the thing is, to me, the answer is, yeah, because I wouldn't say it's a responsibility, but the track record seems like it's there and all you're doing is like giving them a heads up and maybe just maybe you make them a little bit suspicious and hopefully that quote friend changes their ways. But is anybody should anybody be subject to basis to that kind of torture if dude's gonna just do the exact same exact same thing again and break someone's heart? Because to me, it's the reason why is you, since you specifically declared it's a friend, that's what's so important. Because if it's someone that's like in the inner circle, as you said, which phrase I use for my friends as well, you should be tight enough to be like, hey, so like, you need to fix that. Because on to be honest with you, once upon a time, I was that friend. I. Uh, had my best friend started dating a girl. They're married now. They've got a kid. Love her to death. She had a friend that she introduced, and she actually wanted to set him up with a different friend of ours. Well, for whatever reason, chemistry that night, timing, whatever it was, the friend that she introduced name was Kylie, and I hit it off. And it became a whole thing in our social circle because, well, first there was the insinuation I stole her, which I really didn't try to. I talked to my buddy about it and was like, here's what's going on, and he was cool with it. But then she, Kim told me, my the friend of my buddy, the now wife, said that I don't think you're good enough. I've watched you in relationships; you've been terrible, and I don't want to see her go through that. She told me that, and it was a huge deal. It was tough for me to hear, and of course, I was upset about it. But at the same time, it's also someone that's in your inner circle, and you can't just be like, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about, and so you know you have to figure it out and become better. And that was one of the things I think that helped me improve in terms of relationships. So it's the fact that you said it's not someone in your inner circle. My thought is, yeah, you you probably ought to say something. Now, the other part of this is, no offense, but how tight are you with your, your sister's friend? Because I think that's part of why dating should be done outside of the friend circle. Not so you can get away with stuff, but then it's so much easier to not have the overlap, which can just turn into drama. Like, while Kim was 100% right in the situation with me, it became such a huge issue in our friend circle because I was upset about it, and her now husband was my best friend, stood up for me, and I always appreciated it, and that was an issue for them for a while. It just became this huge thing in our friend circle. It happened again later. A buddy of mine dated a girl that I had a bad breakup with. She cheated on me, and look, I feel bad for him. I told him, and I was upset about it, and I wasn't friends with him for a while because of it, but she ended up cheating on him. And it's one of those things where it's like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna listen necessarily. You can't make anyone do so, but I think you do have a little bit of a responsibility, at least for making the information known. So yeah, I think one hundred percent you should say something. Now speaking of friends, if they're if they're uh, doing all right, they may not say anything right away, right? 
They may they, they may not they may slow play it. Some are flashy. I've got a friend that does his family's always been pretty well off. He's flashy about it. But my buddy that's visiting, he does well now. But I think he's always done well. My question is, when did you realize that your friend was, well, I hate to use the word, rich? You know, I take it back. I'm not going to say rich because there's a difference between rich and well off. But that's what's so frustrating about a buddy of mine visiting because he's he's doing pretty well. And then he didn't pay for his part of the meals. And that, that really grinds my gears. Abs with AJ on VFX. And my question is, when did you realize... That your friend was well off. Because my buddy now has a good job. And he's had a good job for a while. So it's not surprising in adulthood he's gotten to a different level. But after talking to him and stuff, I feel like he always was doing pretty well. Always seemed to be traveling and stuff like that. Just didn't notice it. He didn't talk about himself a whole lot. And I was like, you jerk. You were well off this whole time. Not that he had to pay for anything. It's just like, I thought we were best friends. Why are you not telling the story? Just out of pure curiosity. Because he never went on trips with us. Like, we went to amusement parks. A buddy of mine used to just go up to Wisconsin, two states away. Never came. Never came. But it turns out he was well off the whole time because he was always doing this stuff with his family, back and forth with Den- uh, Denver and all this stuff. And I'm like, you, I get, you didn't have to spend the money. Like, it just makes me feel like you are a cheapskate with the rest of us because you're a cheapskate. My question is, when did you realize your friend was well off? Uh, Mary's on the phone. Mary, what happened? Um, I realized my friend was super rich when he dropped like a whole lot of money trying to get us in this, this really awesome nightclub. Yeah, right. uh, I was totally shocked at how much money he was spending, and he didn't even seem to like phase him at all. So at that moment, I thought, yeah, definitely should marry this guy. Okay. okay well, I now have two issues with that whole <laughs> One, yeah, we would all love to have a married friend. By the way, my friend that's well off, I'm pretty sure we have the deal if neither of us is married by like 40, which both turned, well, he's turned 34 this year, so it's coming up. But uh, <laughs> to your first point, maybe, maybe, but I would not necessarily trust that bravado, especially from a fella, because one time in college, and let me be, let me be very upfront with you, was not rich or well off or anything at all. But one night, we all got this great idea that we were going to go out on one of the bars. I think it was Thursday. And like a group of eight of us went out. And we spent a combined, actually, really, I think it was three of us. And I was one of them. Spent like a combined $150 to $200 on drinks all night, including like they had 75-cent shots. And there were multiple times we just bought the whole tray. Like we bought drinks for the whole bar. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life because who doesn't want to be the best? Like everybody drink on me. Like it feels cool to think, but financially it hurts so much. And yeah, no, nowhere was there panic on my face where I was like, oh, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. No, the whole time I was like, yeah, we're living it up, YOLO, all that stupid stuff. Meanwhile, I got home the next day and I was like, how much should I spend? How much? And to really drive it home so that it didn't bug me because I wanted that perception that it was great and all that. I changed my profile picture on Twitter for a while. It was a picture. I took a picture of the the uh, little tray of, of 75 cent shots. So I had like 50 shots on it because I was like, yeah, we're rolling it up, doing whatever we want. So hopefully that's true that your friend is rich, but doesn't always isn't always the case. Sometimes I think you, I mean, you can't you can't give the panic after you committed to it, and you don't want to back out because like oh I said I do this, oh oh no, well I'm gonna have to go through with it. Cheers, I'm gonna drink this one away. Yeah, sometimes you just have to do that. Speaking of money, 
Uh, one mom's story has gone viral because she charges her kids rent, a teenager specifically. It'd be weird if she charged a five-year-old, but charges her teenagers rent specifically. And this does something very interesting after they leave the house, which raises a question. Everybody always talks about, oh, man, I wish that high school taught me how to write a check or to pay bills or to file taxes. So what's the one saving tip you really wish you had picked up a whole lot earlier in life? Don't you wish you were just a smidge more receptive, at least, to good advice when you were growing up? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's something about learning it yourself and taking the lumps along the way that kind of ingrains it in your head because it has to. But if you were just a little bit more aware or at least open-minded, you might have saved yourself a couple of steps along the way. AMs with AJ. It's the Goals Gym Debate at 8 on VFX. And my big issue when it comes to saving. So... There's a mom that's gone viral on TikTok as these now happen. And her little thing is that at 16, her kids have to get a job and they have to pay a rent fee, right? But what happens is she actually saves the money. And then when they move it out of the house, she gives it to them. So they have a nice little nest egg set up, which I think is so important because one, getting a job, right? Going to have to do that. Very, very few of us are going to have to go through life where we're not punching the nine to five at some point. Two, saving is such a hard skill to work on if it's not instilled early. Like, it's so hard to build the habit. And so my question is, again, one of those pieces of knowledge you wish you're maybe a little bit open-minded about, what is the saving tip you wish that you had been able to learn a little bit earlier? Or maybe somebody did tell you you were stubborn you wish you would have paid attention to earlier. Because I can tell you, I'm trying to do this in reverse when it comes to uh, retirement, the interest is compounded. I have no idea how to calculate it, but I know that the longer you're in it, the better it is because of the way it's calculated. I cannot tell you how many times I have texted my sisters who are now in their early 20s and told them, just look, even if it's just $20 a paycheck, whatever, just do something, but open up your retirement accounts, IRAs, whatever, just start putting money in. The longer you're in it, the better. And they say the right things. They say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And and to be honest, my mom and her husband are financially just in a better spot than my mom and dad were. So they, I think, are, I don't want to say spoiled. I think they're pretty good. They've had jobs forever, so I don't want to say that. I think they've got a good work ethic. But I just don't think they think about it because at that age, you're like, whatever. Like, it's just my money to blow. I don't want to set it aside. I've got it for what I need. And if I need to save, then I'll work a couple extra shifts and put it aside. And I don't think that's uncommon. But the thing that's why saving, I think, is so difficult to learn because one of the simplest steps of saving that I learned that it seem, seems so commonplace, but it's so difficult to do, is you can you can save specifically for things. Like, what I mean is you can say, okay, I want to go on vacation and have an account or a little area where you set up money specifically for that vacation. And at the same time, you can split things up so that you have your normal account, which takes care of your bills and can be your rainy day fund. And you don't also have to like, for instance, it's tax season, right? Growing up, tax season was splurge season. And it still kind of is. You get your tax return and and we're going to go get you those shoes that you need. And we're going to try and plan a nice vacation with this money. And I'm not saying you can't do that. You get the money. You do whatever you want. But it is also possible to save up towards those things and not just necessarily be like, oh, I'm running a little bit more in the black than normal. Maybe we got a little room to splurge here. That's more impulsive as opposed to planning. And look, I am a procrastinator. I am a 
all over the place, not a planner. When it comes to money, these are things that I think are important to set out. And you got to figure out your way. One of my favorite podcasts, we had an after show, Producer Butters, myself, and McCall, and we all talked about how we save, and we all do it differently. Producer Butters has an app that taught him a way. I think it's called, his was envelope saving. Mine, I think, is comparable to bucket saving. And so, you know, you find your different ways. But whatever it is, set it up. But you can tell us on your Facebook page, maybe, just maybe, someone will read it and they'll still just a little bit of knowledge that they needed to get financially to a place that's better for them on our Facebook page. Utah's VFX, it's the Thermo Fisher Poll of the Day. I'll tell you one of the things I have money set aside to save for individually is uh, my, my eventual wedding. And the reason why is I have learned through going through a couple of my own or going through a couple of other people's and being part of them that if you just don't pay for the whole thing yourself, other people think that they get a say in it. What's the biggest overstep that's happened? Yeah, I'd love to have my entire set of bills and wedding completely paid for. But one thing that I have seen in my adult life is if you do not pay for your wedding, anyone that helps does seem to think more often than not they get a say in how things go. Ames with HA on VFX. And while I think it's a reasonable trade, the other idea should be, is it your wedding? No. Then the answer to the question, do I get to change anything, should also be no. But I've seen it happen. Goals Gym debate to date. And my question is, what's the biggest overstep that has happened or attempted to happen from friends or family during your wedding? Because I tell you, going through my brother's wedding, being a best man and being integral on at least the, the week leading up to it and the day itself when everything's unfolding, was an absolute nightmare. One of my least favorite things is so, okay, right? Tradition is you get the, the bride and dad dance and you get the groom and mom dance, right? Well, what happens when you have step-parents? Well, then you have to appease family. Or the other side of that is, of course, mom of the groom, mom of the bride and dad of the groom don't have necessarily traditional, um, honestly, look-at-me moments because that's how they were treated. So I'll tell you this. My brother's wedding, we had to find some more look-at-me moments because people were upset that they weren't featured enough in a wedding that was about their son marrying his high school sweetheart. We couldn't focus on that. So, what were your um, oversteps by friends and family, attempted or actually done? Chucky, what was yours? My uncle tried to invite some of his idiot buddies uh. to my wedding on the day of the wedding. So we told him no, and then he decided that he wasn't going to come. He refused. Yep. So then we just <laughs> cut ties with them, and because that was so, pretty much the last straw. We did the right thing by inviting the dude, yeah. and then he oh, has yeah. to go and be a complete jerk about it. Yeah. So no, same for my brother's wedding. Uh, my my mom was telling him he's like, oh, you got to invite more people. You got to invite more people, and he's like, no, I've accounted for how many people that I'm paying for, and this is what we can fit. You got to invite more people. Won't show up. There'll be space. He's like, look, we we checked in with people who could show up, and then they had some last minute cancellations. So then my brother appeased my mom by inviting some family. You know what happened? Not only did the family invited not come. Other members of the family who had been invited as what seemed to be a form of protest didn't come, which my mom had said when he saw me, like, oh, they're going to be upset. My brother said, if they're going to hold a grudge over this and not understand there's a limitation to the number of people invited, I don't know that I want to be family with them anyway. And then to just protest and not say anything when you were invited specifically and made whatever the cutoff is. Unfortunately, there's a cutoff. Like, really? Really? Ah, oh, so obnoxious. Uh, Kylie on the line. Kylie, what was the overstep? Your friends and family. My mother-in-law showed up in a gown that was basically all white. Like, way wow. to make it clear to everyone at the party that you hate me. It was super embarrassing on both our parts. 
Yeah, that's um, wow. Okay, so don't don't do that. In fact, one of my responsibilities as best man, my brother gave me all powers that I will pay any legal and or police fees. If you see someone potentially proposing at our wedding, tackle them. <laughs> look, and Kyle, look, that's miserable, but I can beat that one. Uh, at the about the same time my brother's getting married, my sister in law's maid of honor. Uh, was had been proposed to, and she was planning her own wedding. It was coming up, I want to say, two, three months after my brother's wedding. And you want to so showing up in white, stealing the thunder, right? Because nobody's supposed to steal white for the bride. How about your own mother proposing to her then boyfriend and having the wedding the day before yours? My sister in law's maid of honor had been planning the wedding, and, and she was helping my my brother and sister in law set up their wedding, and she was borrowing things like there were certain pieces that she was going to use in hers and ideas she was taking to make it as simple as possible. She'd been married once before. Her mom, in like the the three months leading up to her wedding, not only proposed her boyfriend, set the wedding like the day before her daughter's. The day before. And then, of course, pawned on her daughter to set everything up for what was a simple wedding, much simpler than her daughter's. But it was like, really? Really? Like, read the room here. First come, first dibs. Also, no disrespect. If you're happy, get married, whatever. But if someone else has had the moment, like, no, no, you don't get to have it again. You got you to gotta wait. You got to wait your turn. I. And that's why we save up the money. Because clearly, if you give anybody any power or not, they're just going to be like, oh, I can do whatever I want. Now, eventually, of course, idea, most relationship is to get to marriage. But... That's the total wild card. There's so many things that happen, so many things to juggle. It'd be nice if you could predict it. Well, apparently, there's a new formula that can predict whether your relationship will fail or succeed. Look, we not acknowledge that relationships are just not that simple. Can you predict whether or not a relationship will be successful or not? One of my general rules is with relationships, there are no rules. I mean, within reason, right? Because... AMs with AJ on VFX. Like, obviously, when we had that story about the the husband who they were going to use his sister-in-law as a surrogate, who's like, I think we should just do it the old-fashioned way. Like, that, not smart. That's not good for your relationship. But in general, the birds of a feather or opposites attract. There's not one general set of positive rules that seems to be applicable across the board. Well, apparently in Italy... An artificial intelligent machine was put together. It doesn't do so much as predicting, I guess, as watching patterns to explain why that's the case. And, well, I think it's interesting. The other thing is, is that people are so finicky. We change. We're scared. We lie. We cheat. We steal. We also get happy. We also forgive. And we also try to understand way further than we should with hope. And so it's just, I don't know that there's a computer pattern that can predict that whatsoever. But the way it works says the greatest predictive ability for this AI in terms of will or will not your relationship succeed is life satisfaction to both partners, the woman's percentage of housework, general marital status, the woman's working hours, the woman's level of openness, and the male's extroversion levels, which is not a word that I meant. And so that's apparently the state or tendency of being predominantly concerned with or attaining gratification from what is outside the self. Makes sense. Seeking attention from others, yeah, that would be a downfall in any relationship. The thing that I think is interesting, though, is timing is an ultimate factor in relationships as well. Because I think th- there's a saying in sports, right? It's why you don't, uh, on paper, this team is 
will beat this team. And what it means is when you look at all the outside factors, everything matches up. When you get on the inside, it doesn't necessarily how, mean how it goes. Because, for instance, there was a girl I day in college that we our passion levels ran high. We seemed to really get along or whatever, but when we fought, we fought brutally. And it just we continued to come back to each other, and it didn't work. And part of that, I think, was timing. My maturity, her maturity, my understanding, her understanding, and the ability to communicate. Timing, I think, is ultimately a factor, too, that I don't know that you can really calculate where you are in a certain life or a certain point in life, how you're going to react to certain things. So I think it's really interesting because this continues to be something we try and figure out is this predictiveness to try and figure out relationships. But the other thing is that's interesting to me at the end of the day, if you could, would you want to know? Because I think the answer is ultimately no. Because if you find out that you're not going to succeed, I think you ultimately doom yourself into that reality anyway. Because you freak out trying to over over fix things and then that, I think that makes things worse. Or you just start to be like, well, we're not going to make it. Let's enjoy it while it lasts. I, I think you ultimately make the thing true. I think it's interesting, but I think it's a waste of science in general. <laughs> like, I just think relationships are so complicated and there's no black and white. And so, eh, eh, and I don't think anybody would follow them up anyway. Now, what there is a predictive measure for is if you find yourself in partners, you're probably at least a little bit, not overly so, but at least a little bit of tool. If you've not seen the nominees this week, we'll get to it. Also, make sure you vote on our social media, tell you where you can go for that because you got a chance to win your way into the home and garden show. When it comes down to definitely wrong versus just possibly lazy, which way do you vote for Parknarks? Shout out to Rebecca. That's her comment on Facebook, Utah's VFX for Parknarks. Saves with AJ. The nominees this week, nominee number one, what you looking at? Truck that's parked completely in the stripy rectangle. Now the new thing is apparently to fit in it and showing off its back in there because it wants wants you to see where it's a nice blue paint for you. And then nominee number two, look at us facing the same direction because... The person, the narker who got the picture, pulled up side by side with this truck, which is parked sideways, taking up three spots. But as Rebecca said, that looks like it could be at the tail end of the parking lot. So more so lazy than necessarily definitely wrong, which logically I think she's right. But it's still taking purposely taking up three spots. It's not it's not like it parked in diagonally and missed and you're like, okay, it's a big truck and they kind of messed up the park. Like they totally purposely took up the three spots. But Decide for yourself. Facebook, Instagram, Utah's VFX. You can see the pictures either place. And for simply voting, you can get qualified to win some tickets to the Cash Valley Home and Garden Show presented by Anderson Seed and Garden. That's actually coming up next Friday and Saturday. So any of the projects, right, that you want to get involved with, with your home, your garden. Actually, last year, Ashley almost got talked into buying some really nice knives. There's a lot of cool stuff there. You uh, will win your way in for simply voting, so do so. Facebook or Instagram, Park Darks is up there. It's pinned to the top of the Facebook page, Utah's VFX. And, of course, thank you to all those who vote and submit Park Nark nominees. we got them coming in. Like, 2022 has been a great year for it. Please continue to do so. Again, if you see any, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Utah's VFX, that works. We will get them wherever you send them. The idea behind Facebook Roulette is to make Facebook... A place that's not awful. AMs with AJ at VFX. So if you're friends with me, AJ Knight, I find the best thing on my feed usually funny. I like memes, but does not mean it can't be inspiring or thought-provoking. And today's, that's what it is. Landed my girlfriend Ashley's post, picture of a tweet, says, We need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. The absence of sleep, good diet, exercise, relaxation, and time with friends and families, it's something to be applauded. 
Too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, and it needs to change. This is a lesson I learned the hard way. Uh, my last year of college, I was I made the mistake. I tell this to people all the time. I was like, oh, I'm going to work as much as possible, go to school as much as possible so I can get this done, and then once that's done, I can slow down. But it doesn't slow down. I've worked 70 hours a week, two weeks in a row, and I was going to class full-time. I worked two jobs, and just, it, it didn't slow down because then you graduate, got the next thing. I went to New Mexico when I went for work full-time. I never had any time for myself. It was a change I made here in Utah. And frankly, it also comes up to uh, never, never half but two things, whole but one thing. Because no matter how busy you are and you think you're accomplishing, if you're letting it suffer, then it doesn't matter how many things you're doing. Clearly, it's not the best of your ability, and you're selling yourself short. So that's going to go on Utah's VFX on Facebook. Find and follow across all social media, The AJ Night for myself as well. Uh, it's Utah's VFX for the um, Anything Podcast as well. Miss anything on the show? Search for Utah's VFX, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, anywhere podcasts are. And lastly, go Aggies. If you can't get out and support them, they host Oregon tonight in the NIT tournament. Good luck to them as they get postseason berth. And until tomorrow morning for AMs with AJ on VFX, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And thanks for listening to VFX.